Father, please be with us. I pray that you would uh, govern uh, our thoughts, that you would govern my words as I speak. And I pray that we would um, learn new things of you and connect with you this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so guys, we're going to keep thinking about uh, the story of Cain and Abel. Um, and I want to start with uh, a little story from my own life. So most of you know that um, I do prison ministry. And a couple of years ago, I was at Wakala Correctional Institute, and I was talking to one of the inmates there. And this was a guy who'd been in prison for a really long time. I think it was nearly 20 years. And uh, he said to me, John, I'm glad I'm here. Do you want to know why? (laughs) And I said, yes, I sure do want to know why. So this guy took a piece of paper and he drew me a diagram. And it was a diagram of a road that split into three branches. And he said to me, I was an alcoholic and I was on this highway going at 70 miles an hour. And there are only three places that highway can go. Prison, the hospital, or the graveyard. So I know that I got the best one by coming here. And he also said, while I've been here, I've had the chance to meet Jesus and get a second chance in my life. And I was honestly amazed by this guy because he had such a humble attitude. He had come to his senses and he was seeing clearly. And I really think his little diagram was exactly right. So I want to think about uh, that guy and his illustration as we think about Cain this morning in Genesis chapter 4. As we've been going through the first few chapters of Genesis, we've encountered a ton of things that are really strange, right? That are outside of our experience, like magical fruits and talking snakes. It's a very strange passage that's very distant from where we live. Um, And there are still lots of strange details in Genesis 4 as well. But what I want to focus on today are three things that are very, very ordinary. I want to think about why there are three things in this passage that are totally normal and ordinary. Um, And those are ordinary mercy, ordinary sacrifice, and ordinary violence, all right? Three things that are totally ordinary in the world after the fall. Ordinary mercy, ordinary sacrifice, and ordinary violence. So first, ordinary mercy. The mercy of God is really all over this chapter. Uh, People after the fall continue to be awful, but even after the fall, God is always kind, right? So first of all, he's kind to Adam and Eve because he clothes them at the end of chapter three. Then he's kind to Eve directly here in the beginning of chapter four because he gives her a son. And when Cain is born, Eve says, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord, which is an amazing thing to say. It's literally, I've gotten a man with the Lord. Um, And so Eve Eve means, I have partnered with God in this creation of a new man. So despite her sin, God still includes Eve in the miracle of procreation. And then we often think of Cain as this real bad guy, one of the worst guys in the Bible. But let's notice here that God is really kind to Cain. So in verse 3, Cain brings an unworthy offering, but Cain gets to speak to God face to face, and God gently corrects him, and he assures him in verse 7 that if you do well, will you not be accepted? 
And isn't that astonishing? When we think about the seriousness of sin, how amazing it is that Cain was offered a way to be accepted when there were no laws, there were no covenants, and Cain had no clue that Jesus was going to have to die for his sin. It's astonishing mercy. So we see that God's mercy is completely ordinary. And of course, I don't mean that in the sense that it's bland um, uh, or not interesting. I mean, it's ordinary um, in the sense that we see it everywhere and all the time in, for every person. So God's mercy is amazing, but it's ordinary. So for God to be kind to someone is not the exception. It's the rule. So right away, in the very first generation that was born into sin, there's a clear path back to righteousness that's given. And Abel found that path because Hebrews 11 lists Abel as the very first man of faith. Hebrews 11 is amazing on this. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. Right. So here in the fourth chapter of the Bible is the first example of justification by grace through faith in Abel. So we must say that no one in history has ever been outside of God's ordinary mercy. Everyone gets a second chance, even the alcoholics in prison. All right. So the second big idea is ordinary sacrifice. So this idea is that God is the giver of lavish gifts, and we are made in God's image to be givers. We ourselves in our bodies are gifts, and that we are also made to be givers. So we see this here because both Cain and Abel brought God a gift in verses three and four. Abel was a shepherd, so he naturally brought a sheep, and God approved of Abel's gift. And then Cain was a farmer, so he brought fruit, and God did not approve of Cain's gift. So we need to think about why. Is there something wrong with the gift of a fruit? And I really don't think there is. Uh, God accepts the gifts of fruits elsewhere in Scripture as tithes and offerings. Um, but here we see that um, Cain's gift was somewhat half-hearted, right? So it says in the text that he just brought some of the fruit of the ground. It wasn't the first and it wasn't the best. And the important thing is that Cain knew it, right? Cain knew that his gift was subpar because God told him, do what is right and you'll be accepted. Cain knew what the right thing to do was. He just wasn't doing it. In contrast, his brother Abel gave the firstborn of his flock. He sacrificed them and he presented to God their fat portions. So Abel was giving of the best he had because he knew that God deserved a lavish gift. And of course, we see that Abel's gift was extremely rich in symbolism. He took a firstborn lamb, a symbol of the Passover, and then he spilled its blood and the life is in the blood. Then he offered its fat portions, just like Moses commanded. And the whole sacrifice pointed forward to Jesus on the cross. So it's really an amazing gift. Abel was actually telling the whole story of redemption through his offering. But I don't think Abel could possibly have known that. So he's not getting credit for what he doesn't know. And Cain's not being punished for what he doesn't know. The call is to give God the best we have according to what we do know. And Cain knew better. No one is asked to give 
what he doesn't have or what he doesn't know about. But our attitude should be like King David, who said, I will not offer to my God something that cost me nothing. And our attitude should be like Jesus, who said, this is my body given for you. So sacrifice is the second thing that's ordinary in our world. It's an ordinary part of life with God. And we should honestly consider to ourselves that a half-hearted gift will not be accepted. Now, the third thing is ordinary violence. So after the fall, the kindness of God is still completely ordinary, but so is the violence of men. And as we go on through Genesis, Taylor's going to take us to chapter six next week, and we'll see how the world was full of ever increasing violence. And the reason is that God's warning to Cain is true for everyone. It's true for us all. God's warning is sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. So we see sin depicted here as a predator. It's like a lion crouching, ready to pounce. It's a predator that desires to turn all of us into predators. So first of all, Cain fell prey to sin. He became sin's victim. And then he turned around and made Abel his victim. That's how it always works. And God knew that Cain was a victim first, but that was no excuse. Cain was punished just the same. And today we often want to excuse evil by pointing out that its perpetrators are victims too. And yes, they are. That's always true. They always are victims first, but it's not an excuse because God has given all of us the ability to master evil and he's called us to do just that. So now we have a choice. We can either return to God with gifts or the only other choice is that we will fill the earth with violence. Those are the two splits of the highway. So we see here that the very first man born on earth, the very first man given life was the first man to take a life. The first death on earth was a murder. And ever since Cain, violence on the earth has been completely ordinary and especially violence toward the righteous. So in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus lists Abel as the first in a long chain of righteous deaths. So he says to the scribes and Pharisees, on you may come the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakiah. He says that to the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew 23. And of course, after he pointed that out to them, Jesus himself was killed and was added to that list of righteous deaths as the chief of them all, the one that saved us all. So in God's world, mercy is ordinary, sacrifice is ordinary, and sadly, violence is also ordinary. And Jesus tells us not to be surprised when the world responds to him and to his followers with violence, because that's perfectly ordinary. It follows the pattern that's established by Cain and Abel in the beginning. But then there's another great little verse in Hebrews chapter 12, where it says that Jesus' blood, his spilled blood on the cross, speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So here in Genesis 4, we saw that the blood of Abel was crying out to the Lord from the ground. And we can only imagine that it was crying out for justice. 
God, look at this and do something about it. It was crying out for justice. But as Jesus dies on the cross and spills his blood um, in the face of unrighteous men, his words are, Father, forgive, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Hebrews says that that word is a better word than the blood of Abel. And now, thanks to Jesus, even violence is forgivable, even the crucifixion of the Son of God. So there is forgiveness through his blood. So as I close, I want to come back to the story I started with about the prison inmate and his diagram of the highway with three branches. His diagram applies, I think, to all kinds of sinful patterns and addictions. There are only three places they can lead to prison or the hospital or the graveyard. That is where our sin is going to take us. As God said to Cain, sin is crouching at the door and it desires to have you. So if you know today that you're stuck on that highway, then listen to God's words in Genesis 4. You must master it. Therefore, you can master it. And if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Will your face not be lifted? That, applies, that promise applies to all of us too. So turn around before it's too late and bring to God a worthy gift. God sees our hearts. He knows whether we bring him the best of what we have or only the leftovers. So I close with the words of Paul in Romans 12. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So that's it. That's now time for our discussion in breakout.